Thanks for joining us. My name is Jonathan Storman. I'm the preaching minister at the Pleasant Valley Church of Christ. Welcome to the series Wednesday Night Conversations. Whenever you're listening to them, we've brought in some of the best thinkers in church leadership and ministry, specifically on issues that we care about as a church, like racial reconciliation and evangelism and being an intergenerational church. If you're a part of PV or if you're outside of Pleasant Valley or even outside of Arkansas, I hope that this series will be as much a blessing to you as it has been to me. What's up, Pleasant Valley? I am so pumped to introduce you to one of my favorite human beings, David Fraze, who you're, it, it's so, you're a doctor. You're Dr. David Fraze. I, I want you to uh, speak to me with such tones. <laughs> yeah, actually, I was at Fuller with you when we looked at your dissertation. Remember when we were going to speak at that thing in Bakersfield? Yeah, so it's official. You've seen it, and you've That's held true. it with your own hands. It's I'm like Thomas, unbelieving Thomas. I just could not <laughs> believe that you and are. That a was doctor. a great trip, by the way. I don't know why somebody would pay us to be in the same space for that long. <laughs> but they've done it multiple times. Like they did. We we have tricked people many times into thinking that we that we would be a good addition to their youth rally or whatever. Oh my word! And for the record. Hope- for the record, you're one of my favorite human beings too. Can I just say that? Yes. Uh, let me let me just get that on a loop going. Um, I have co-preached with you. You and Randy Harris are the two people I've co-preached with the most, um, and it's always fun. So, Brother David, we worked together at the Hills for a while. You were the director of student ministries, and um, our our lives have overlapped in lots of ways. And one of the most powerful ways we've overlapped is you're kind of like one of the church outreach people for Fuller. You worked at the Hills. Now you work at Lubbock Christian University doing some head honcho job. Uh, Is that what it says on your business card? Yes. Head honcho. As a matter of fact, it says head honcho or uh, elf, elf uh, in, you know. Impersonation, yeah. yeah. Will Ferrell look alike? All these things. I have seen Brother David give announcements in elf spandex to a church audience. <laughs> so. I cannot deny it. This last year, we had elf extravaganza for our Big Blue Christmas, and I helped the news. So actually, I did the news as Buddy the Elf. What a gift. What a gift. That's a spiritual. You know, the gift. Lord, the Lord disperses His gifts among the body in so many ways. So, uh, Brother David works for LCU, but you also have this kind of gig with Fuller, where you help with this initiative that Pleasant Valley has been a part of for the last eighteen months, called Growing Young. And there's a book that uh, it, it circulated our church. A lot of people have heard about it, um, and. Because one of our huge initiatives, we have three initiatives, Brother David, evangelism, racial reconciliation, and generational generosity. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was interviewing with the elders, because I'd seen this put into action at both Highland and the Hills in very different ways. I mean, it, it, um, it, it doesn't, it, it's not a controversial thing, but it does force you to have 
conversations intergenerationally, which sometimes lead to controversial topics being raised. But I guess the first question, if I was just an outsider listening or somebody at PV who's not uh, familiar with growing young, are you saying get rid of the old people? <laughs> no, or I would be gone. So um, <laughs> let me let me back into that question because I think the, I think the history of it's very important. Um, the first summer, this is actually when we met in person when I first started working at the Hills. I had already scheduled a research fellowship with Fuller where I got my doctorate. And if you remember, I spent that whole summer there. And um, mm -hmm. I did. I actually, yeah. I actually researched uh, in more in depth Deuteronomy 6 and its relationship to how we do youth ministry. At that time, I'd been doing youth ministry for over 20 years. And, uh, you know, programmatically, I mean, that's kind of what I've always done. So, I have this gift to put a foot in adult world and kid world and pull them together. And um, I, right. I, I didn't really have that word, though, cemented into my vocabulary. And that's that word intergenerational. Um, I'd always used adults. That's the way that, that I was blessed growing up. And I think if I could really fast for our audience, if you think about all of the lessons that we've ever heard, except this one, okay, and... Um, Think about all the camps, all the gospel meetings, all the vacation Bible schools, mission trips. If you could come up with a number of the formative experiences you've had and then compare it to this next question, how many adults have impacted your spiritual life? Automatically, we think of names and faces of adults. I mean, we yeah. know this to be true um, because good programming just puts adults together. So, right. That's that intergenerational, uh -huh. Deuteronomy chapter six, the hero Israel verse, the big Shema. It wasn't written to mom and dad. It was written to the community. So mm -hmm. you and I have talked about this. We are a product of the adults that have patted us on the back and said, Jonathan, Dave, you can do this and we need you in yeah. the body of Christ. And so that's intergenerational. And I think what we've done and what we went to research uh, years ago is we've created what a guy named Stuart Von Cummings said is a one-eared Mickey Mouse. We have adult church, and then we have this one ear over here called student ministry, children's ministry, college ministry, and it's an other thing. Yeah. And you're involved in this until you get married, have babies, and then you can be part of the big church. Um, it, and, just, and that's a huge if, right? Yes. Because, uh, so many, I mean, what, what was the research that over half of our students graduate church when they graduate high school? That is the best numbers we have right now. And actually, I have another research project here that, that we were involved with, a group of us, probably, I think about 20, 20 uh, youth ministry educators and practitioners across the country. Um, I was the token CFC guy, Christian church guy. We all come together, and the brand-new research says, yes, yeah, still 50%, but a million people will walk away from faith, just walk mm. away. And so th those things are alarming, and it's actually spurring some more practical things that I think are going to be unloaded from Fuller Seminary across denominational faith tribe lines to say, hey, we got to get our kids back re-engaged with faith. But I'm bringing that one moment up because we came up with a thing called Sticky Faith where yeah. we looked at what does a student who made the 
What do they have? Right? So it was all about looking at youth ministry different. Let's pack that boat of that student. It was heavily relational with adult relationships. You experienced a lot of the way we did youth ministry at the Hills was yeah. exactly that. Now, yeah. growing young, this is, this is the next phase, if you will, um, which our church that we were part of was a part of the research. But what we did is we went back to look at those sticky churches and thought, okay, how are they doing as a church yeah. between the ages of 15 to 29-year-olds? How are they doing with that? Um, and because it's so easy to look at that 50% fall off, Jonathan, to say, man, it's awful, and just batten down the hatches, and we're all dying. And there yeah. is no major church growing in the United States as far as mainline denominations. But we found churches in this growing young study, which it's the largest study demographically, ethnically. It was an incredible broad scope of churches. We found churches that were doing things that were growing younger. And growing younger doesn't mean they just got a bunch of young people in there, but they're actually growing numerically. That's what we mean about growing young. Yeah, They're experiencing growth in a time where the church seems to be imploding upon itself. These churches are showing life. So that's, yeah. that's the growing young part. So there are in this thing, uh, there are six core values that are uh, that y- y'all talk about that are, um, I, I, in my experience, spot on, and um, in helping intergenerational stuff and retention with young adults. Mm-hmm. You you want to talk about the first one's unlocking keychain leadership, mm-hmm. and those are huge. And I will say, and I totally agree with you for the most part they it, it doesn't have to do with being a liberal or conservative church it doesn't right. have to do with having a praise team no praise team instrumental music instrumental music all, all those things um it, it is it is something that any church can do now it right. may involve some of these conversations yeah so but, let me can i i i really appreciate you going there cuz one of the things with you know we sent a team of our people to Pasadena, California to Fuller to go through this. And we had already decided to transition where we want to stay acapella, uh, but they, they want to make acapella as great as possible for multi-generational. Mm-hmm. And there was some, there was some pushback because in really the state of Arkansas, it's, it's been mostly one man standing up and, and doing this. Mm-hmm. And, um, so here's what I had seen. I had seen when I would talk to college students who grew up at this church, and I would ask them, what do you think about church? They loved the people, but I was hearing things like, every few weeks, I need to go to New Life, which is kind of a um, non-denominational, uh, you know, Bible church. It's a good, it's a good church. But they would need to go there because it wasn't their heart language at all. But then I would say, well, you need to tell your mom and your your parents and grandparents about that. They didn't want to do that because they felt like they were hurting their feelings. And Mm -hmm. I I think part of that's maybe Bible Belt culture. Um, So we were we were like what we were trying to do with the worship team was have what we were thinking of as a compromise 
And when we went to Growing Young, uh, we had already announced that we were doing this. And they said, man, I would, one of the people said I wouldn't do it because uh, worst, the assembly time is the great ceasefire of, um, but I, I thought, man, I don't think they know how, how um, deep the di generational divide is here. Like I this is it, the compromise for young adults. I was actually at the table when that was going on and hearing the discussion and I love to see my PV family. So this is cool to be able to have the opportunity to visit with you and unpack that a little bit more because the answer is both and. Um, in our fellowship, that discussion of how we do worship does become kind of an intergenerational type of deal um, in mm -hmm. relatability. Um, there are things that I did growing up, and I'll just be honest, transparent. There's some things that I really love about new worship type stuff. Other yeah. things I'm like going, okay, I don't want to do any more dancing, hand clapping, spinning around <laughs> in the aisle. Can we just sing a song? You know, and you we, don't have we to don't have, we don't have the rhythm. To <laughs> oh, we're awful. Yeah. We're yeah. awful. Let, let's leave clapping time. Um, you know, coming from the hills, there were times I walked in one time to our youth center, Jonathan, and there was so much smoke. I thought the fire department would show up. And I'm like, guys, the yeah. lights and smoke are great, but I can't even see the Bible. So <laughs> you know, there's, and yeah. I'll say this because it actually is one of the key components. And one of the key components is warm relationships. Yeah. Warm so, is the new coal. Yeah, let's go, let's go around. I'll just quickly say the six. Keychain leadership says that I'm not only going to listen to you, but I'm going to help you lead. In other words, um, I'll guarantee you there were times that you and I got to do the devotional on Wednesday night. It was probably one of the first times you ever got to speak. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think what we've had a tendency to do, though, and I'm going to, and it's funny that uh, the research has just come back. I finished a research project with Fuller on Churches of Christ and our relationship with these six competencies. Hmm. Um, we're exactly like the mainline churches as far as uh -oh. where we're hot and where we're cold. Huh. This is one of those areas that we're very cold in is keychain leadership is that our students, and again, this is by these are people that are um, students who answered these questionnaires in the assessment, also all the way up to people our age to older, is they've learned a lot of skills, but they haven't really got to use them in services. So go with me mm. here for a second. Forever, one of the things that we've done in Churches of Christ, mainline Churches of Christ, are things like leadership training for Christ. And we have taught them how to do puppets. We've taught them how to sing in small groups. We've taught them how to sing in choruses. We've taught them how to read scripture creatively. We've done all of these things. But yet when they get old enough, we tell them, you can't do that in worship. And we imply because it's wrong. Now, I want you to think hmm. about that for a second. Um, leadership training for Christ, we're training them with skills that they never can use in our main assemblies. That's a problem. Is, uh, you know, I, one of the things I've, I've said is sometimes churches get too big for their britches. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I would not be a minister today if I didn't have 
opportunities to speak or lead a song when I was like 10 and 11. And I think what, it, what I think it's in here that excellence is the death grip of warmth. Absolutely. And because so to not have, to not have like young adults participate and stuff, the argument is like maybe it would lower the bar of excellence. But the reason I love the church today is because a Down syndrome little boy, or he was four years older than me, but he was Down syndrome and he led singing every time. And to this day, it's the best worship in my experience I've ever had. And I've, I've been in the same smoke and lights stuff that you have too. Well, and I, I work with you specialties as well. And we just posted a blog about worship that I would encourage everybody to go to youspecialties.com. Look at that blog on worship because it's the same conclusions. And anytime you have people coming from different areas with the same conclusions or something to it in that quest for excellence. So we can't have our young men or young ladies doing anything. And I know I just opened a can of worms um, that you're, you're, you're ruining an opportunity for key chain leadership. And what leadership is, um, is not this. Let me go to the negative. It's not that you just have a youth night every year right. where the youth take over the service. You start just letting them get involved. So go back to some of the stuff that we did together at the Hills. I don't know if you remember this, but it's very intentional. We did not highlight youth missions. We highlighted right. yeah. missions. Yeah, that's right. Um, we didn't have all the young people come on stage and applaud them that were going on mission trips. Their names were mentioned with everybody else's. When a student led in worship, okay, when they led in worship. Go ahead, Mr. Popular. Oh, my gosh. It's a big deal. When, uh, when. Uh, they when started to get on committee teams and yeah. serving in. Nobody applauded. And so. Yeah, it became part the of the thing. life of the church. Yeah. I, one of the things that I think unlocking keychain leadership, uh, and by the way, we've been working on this. Like, we're we're trying to. We've had more young men do stuff in our assembly, uh, and on Wednesday nights, young women do stuff as well. But also, and, and this is where I think the bigger things happen with unlocking keychain leadership: putting them in rooms with decision-making power. You know, like not, not, they're not elders, but they're also not nothing, you know, like they, they get some say in where a budget for a ministry go and, or what ministry efforts we do, you know, and, and you start treating them like, you know, Hey, you can vote, you can sign up for the military. You can, or, you know, you're, uh, you have a driver's license. Um, you know what I mean? Like you, you start treating them like they're the integral part of the church of Jesus that they are. Well, if they are baptized believers, and this is where we went, and I, I think it's true in the last two or three ministry contexts I've been in, is if, if they qualify and they want to be involved and they want to go through the process, they should be able to be involved. Now, we're not talking about... Um, you know, people who have no wisdom calling all the shots, but they are part of the body and they will ask questions that we won't ask. Right. And, and you know, they'll tell us what they're thinking and that will help. So, I mean, that, that gives them buy-in. They're not right. just, you know, they're, they're not just going there. They're a part of life there. And that's a huge deal. 
So the next one is empathize with today's young people. And okay, let, let, let me just play what the responses I've heard back tend to be like, well, I do. I mean, I know what it was like when I was young. Um, but one of the challenges is we don't know what it's like. We've never been young in this age. Yes. And it is, I mean, antidepressants, anti-anxiety, digital screen addiction, not just of the teens, but also of their parents, uh, you know, isolation, the pressure for sexting and those kinds of, you know, uh, I mean, it, the, it, it, no, nobody who is my age or older knows what it's like to be young today. Oh, that's true. And you know what took us five years? You know, what begins in the body ends in culture. So when our bodies begin to change, culture gets to determine when we get to enjoy adult relationships. Huh. And so what's happened is that's expanded. You know, when I went through school, when you're 13 and when you're 18, you left, I could go to the military, I could go to the workforce, I could go to college. Yeah. But my relationship, I wasn't coming home you know, not in the same way that I did before. Um, then that's kind of lengthened as culture said, well, a high school diploma is not enough. We got to get a college education. Uh, my parents probably like yours thought their job was over when I went to college. Hmm. Um, today, the parents at right there at where you go to church at Pleasant Valley, they think their job's not over till their kid graduates college. Hmm. And if their kids good, don't go to college, they feel like, what did I do wrong? So culture determines. I mean, it's, mm. it's a much different adolescent journey by the numbers, but also sports has changed. Academics have changed. Um, fine arts have changed. The pressure mm. on kids today is different. And so when you look at all those changes, you're absolutely right. We're not even talking about the cell phone and technology yet which this generation we're a part of now is named after that. It was coined by a lady named Twingy who said, this is iGen. Yeah. Um, this generation has not known a world without the internet and without yeah. the smartphone. It is a much different world. Uh, we're not even talking about family structures. You know, things yeah. are so different. Yeah. Um, so to empathize, we got to be really careful. You know, empathy is putting myself in the shoes of somebody else. And if a student lets us in and say, hey, Jonathan, tell me about what it was when you grew up. Dave, what's it like when you grew up? They'll hear those stories and be fine with it. Mm -hmm. But what we have a tendency to do as adults is say, well, I was your age once and here's what happened for me. Kind of project our experience even when they're not, it's not similar to theirs. Yeah, they've never been adults. And see, that's one of those deals. We've never been kids in 2020. They've yeah. never been adults in 2020. But we have, yeah. the, we can look back and be adults. They've never been where we are before. And so we got to be empathetic. And once we do that, we're able to offer some wisdom, but they have to know we can sit with them where we understand the world that they're living in. Yeah. So the next one is one that is really encouraging because we're the church of Christ, Jesus. Yeah. So uh, it, the next one is take Jesus's message seriously. And I do think this is a real strength in our fellowship of our healthier churches, yep. churches that emphasize Jesus more than, you know, Church of Christ, um, that we really do take the Bible seriously. We take the gospel seriously. Um, tell me more about why that's so appealing to young adults. Well, 
first of all, this is the green part of the assessment. You know, we do well, really well with taking Jesus's message seriously, um, especially today. And man, we need to hear this um, and, and teach in general Bible. It's one of my favorite things to do. I have students that, you know, are here at LCU. We're 30% Church of Christ some probably about 60% somewhat religious. That leaves a lot that just come for the quality of education, quality of athletics. So I have an opportunity in that class to talk about what our message is. Um, yeah. I get a hearing when I talk about Jesus. Yeah. That's a big deal. So yeah. it, that is the Me hope too. of the world. Yeah. It's I, I, I think it's actually a real strength that we have. And then you mentioned fuel a warm community or warm is the new cool. I, so here's, here's the question I have for that. I think that in churches of Christ, generally speaking, this is another strength we have. We do the one another's really well. Like uh, if you're a part of a church of Christ, you have, you are a part of a community that will take care of each other in crisis times except if you step out of bounds on whatever doctrinal issue. Mm. And, and then it, uh, we, we do have a little bit of Amish will shun you. Um, and I, I think that would be really hard for young adults who have a real heart for inclusion. Yeah. And I'll tell you, this is in the research that I just completed. You're really the first one to hear this, which is funny. Uh, since we didn't have Pepperdine, so welcome. Huh. <laughs> um, this is this is typically a yellow area for all churches, and as a whole, it's it's a kind of a yellow area for us too. It's not really strong. It's not really weak. But there's three areas that we're weaker than mainline denominations. One of them is making people feel accepted on the outside uh, coming in. Yep. Another one is integrating newcomers well. We're actually redlined on that question. Huh. We don't integrate well, and then we don't make visitors feel welcome. Now, th this is why those are so significant. It's because of the wheel, right? That was my second question. Yep. The wheel about when you're so good at having warm relationships, you become, hold on, let me, let me, mm -hmm. yeah. So uh, warm relationships, yeah, warm relationships, so that, okay, PV, listen, this is, this is uh, my thing with acapella music. Acapella music is one of the great strengths of Churches of Christ. Uh, Randy Hughes said today in the Bible study I was leading, uh, the, the best argument for acapella music is acapella music at its best. And I think that's right. It's a great strength that we have, but it's hard for outsiders to come in. Because if they don't know the song, um, and so having a worship team is one of the ways that you help prioritize outsiders and integrating new newcomers. This is not about worship team, praise team stuff, Brother David, but it is it's to about say, warmth, though. Yeah, Absolutely, it's about warmth. Because it is so intimate, and I and I wish people could hear that. I love, I love, you know, acapella music. Um, I I get it. I love it, but. I had a contest with one of my friends the other day. We pulled out an old purple songbook, and I said, hey, whatever song, you just, you know, start singing the first line. I knew every single one, Jonathan. I had it down, okay? <laughs> yeah, so which I is such a great church. strength that, I mean, you, uh, got, you got discipled. You were raised in this 
I mean, I know, I know obscure songs. Oh, like, there's an all-seeing eye watching you. Watching Jonathan. you, yeah, that's right. That's but right. Here's why. Here's here's why this is so important, though, because warmth is the new cool, and one of our strengths could become our weaknesses. In that, if we are so strong, like if you and I are always talking to each other, if I was at PV, I would find you. But yeah. the problem is now that I know. I'm going to talk to you somewhere else. I would not interrupt because I want people to have the opportunity to have the perception at least that you're accessible. But yeah. man, we got to hear this PV. You got to hear it. One of the loneliest places at times is when you walk into a building and I don't stop talking to you to go say, Hey, what's your name? I right. know this is more than just greeting visitors. Yeah. It's, it's this, this being open. It's being open to, yeah. Of, of we're around and that's why some of the steps in growing young is to be so deliberate yeah. in creating community stopping down there and church hey let's talk about this let's be involved with this yeah. um, and one of the ways that if you really want to get to know how warm you are is get a diverse group of church members to evaluate the warmth of the church now huh. what we have a tendency to do is to get class leaders don't go for that yeah. Find some individuals, maybe find some friends, ask them, your church leaders, come do, you know, a secret guest at our church, come be part of PV and tell us what you feel when you're among us. We, we uh, hired um, uh, Unstuck to do the secret yeah. shopper and they were, you know, they were gracious on a lot of stuff that they said PV was doing well, but they said your target audience is 45 to 55 year old Church of Christ people. Yeah. And, and um, it was because they're honing in on, you know, he said nobody said hi to him while he was there. Uh, you know, those kind of those kind of things. And our people are good. They're they're warm and loving and they're they're not exclusive. But part of it is, you know, it's in the air. It's in the culture. You go to the people that, you know, you have history with and, and without realizing what's at stake. Well, and this is part of the idea of warmth. I mean, honestly, when I go to church sometimes, because I serve, I, I serve at a local high school. And so there's times I just want to be around my people, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. and that that high school are my people. But when I go to church, it's almost like, hey, I just want to sit down with my family, the people that I know. But then I remember that it's a both and. I'm going to have time with those individuals, but I need to be sure to create a warm community because in our culture, whether we like it or not, people still come to church to find something. Yeah. Um, and the warmer we are, the better it is. And the churches that are growing younger take serious, the feeling in that environment, the way that they talk about communion, the way that they talk about giving they have. And you and I had experience in this, that we begin to change our vocabulary so that someone who came for the very first time right. would understand these weird things that we're doing and why. Yeah, because we do. We have great reasons for doing them, um, but we have to explain. So, you know, one of the reasons I care so much about this, you know, Leslie's a first-generation Christian. And mm. so I remember it at Harding, she, she just kind of stumbles in. She gets baptized at the Mesquite Church of Christ winds up deciding to come to Harding. I'm sitting next to her in like gospel meetings and everybody's singing, but nobody's got a songbook out. They're not even bothering telling what song. So I'm having to say, you know, uh, 
I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemy? You know, because it's so, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I care about this person and she's being made to feel while we worship God. Like, you know, this doesn't really, this isn't for you. And so, um, and it's just, we're not, we're not thinking about the outside. And by the way, if I give you a book chapter and verse, when Paul outlines in Corinthians, decency and an order, and boy, please hear this PV and everybody else. It is not 1980s worship, which makes me laugh. Every generation goes back to the generation of their kids and <laughs> calls right. up decency and an order. Um, That's funny. That's I was true, actually yeah. preaching at a church that had the name and the board and the budget, one yeah, of those yeah. boards. I thought that was the coolest thing. Attendance, yeah. Oh, it was awesome. But remember what he says in there. He goes, if you don't have a word to say that's edifying to everybody, shut your mouth. Yeah. Oh, so that's good. Yeah. I think the concept is um, there are people that warmth in and of itself maybe is explaining to our kids, Jonathan. Uh -huh. yeah. The older explaining to the younger, this is why we do this. Yeah, yeah. This is what's important. Let's all stop and greet those around you. Well, why do we do that? It's not just a time filler. Um, one of the things we started doing at Monterey, where I attend now, in in wanting to be a warmer community, and we started doing this during the pandemic, and now that we're back together, we still do it, is when we get through preaching, um, Barry will stop and say, hey, I want you to consider these two questions with the people around you. Oh, that's good. And some people just sit there. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Other people are like going, we get to talk without responding, <laughs> without, we're not confessing. Yeah. yeah. We don't have to pray. And there is a, a warmth that's beginning to take place. And a huh. lot of it is, again, just thinking in our minds, how can we make this assembly warmer? Yeah, I love it. Okay, the next thing is prioritizing young people and young families everywhere. Yes. Uh, does it, doesn't that mean not prioritizing seniors? No, not at all. Okay. Basically what that means is being intentionally intergenerational. Now those are my words that we understand that the young people are not just, you know, like you said, just waiting to be part of the church of today. They are part of us. So for yeah. instance, in the research that I did, values young people's presence in main gatherings. Um, my friend Jake, who helped write the book you're holding in your hand, said, this is odd, Dave, because you're always telling us how in main worship, and it's true, the Church of Christ is known for having our young people in assemblies. It's very odd. Yeah, you don't, other like, we don't have, like, children's church or, yes, yeah, right. It's one of our strengths, isn't it? It's, it's awesome. Yeah. But this is where that worship thing comes into mind. And why would we even want to entertain having a praise team or listening to our young people and trying to listen to their voice and their wishes for worship? We are actually almost a full point below the major denominational average on this, which is amazing uh. to me because the young people don't feel their presence in worship is actually acknowledged. And I think that uh, is, in uh, a lot of ways, if we carry out those key change suggestions and listen to our young people, right? If we look for the success metric. And not unilaterally, right? No, and you're not, not saying unilaterally. Yeah, like 
but let them have a voice in the they're baptized believers let them have a voice it, in who we are as a church it is empathy and understanding and boy please hear me say this i've said this a lot the reason young people started leaving the church in our movement is not because we were not instrumental forever when people started ushering in instruments they're like if we don't have instruments our young people will leave the church well guess what <laughs> they're still leaving yeah yeah it's not the instrument it's this warmth deal it's this prioritizing yeah, yeah. They so, want to be one another. So, yeah, exactly. So can they ask the difficult questions? Can, yeah. can they talk about things? Can they say, so, so for instance, and I say this a lot, but let me just say this out there, okay? The number one need of a student is not to understand that God created the human race and defeat evolution. Their questions are things like, what do I do about my friends who are same-sex attracted? Yeah. Do you see that now? Oh yeah, sure, sure. They just the got pressure a, points are different today so much yeah. than they were in the seventies or you know whatever. But when we uh, give them the freedom to express and explore doubt and to empathize and express themselves and to come to a place of understanding and get involved in the mess, it actually increases our warmth, increases our prioritizing, because we're taking serious the act of discipling these kids. Not to just make them good Church of Christers, but and not to coalesce to culture either. Not yeah. to say right. Not to say like whatever you think is right is right. It is to disciple them. But good. you have to you have to acknowledge the questions that they're actually asking. Yeah, please hear that because nobody's saying it, and they're not asking for it. They're like, yeah, they want wisdom, but yeah. they also yeah. want to be heard. They don't want to just be given. So we've always done that's wrong explain yeah. to my trunk so yeah. the last one is being a good neighbor yeah. that that is a surprising one for a lot of people why does that matter for like i i what you just said about you know uh, you know if you, if we don't bring in instruments we're going to lose the next generation um it seems to me like everybody who <laughs> everybody uses losing the next generation to do whatever their kind of like pet thing is and I, I'm real. What I'm interested in is the churches, like what Growing Young is talking about, the churches that are actually engaging the next mm -hmm. generation. And this is one of those things: being a good neighbor. Mm -hmm. What? Why is that? Well, because it's it's authenticity. That's another big word. If yeah. warm is the new cool, authentic is what we're talking about here. Um, and we actually, as a movement, we do pretty good here because most yep. of our churches. You know, we have like a benevolent center. We do something of that nature. But I think this is even moving closer. Does our community outside of our walls look like the community inside our walls? Are, mm. are we, um, do we look at our leadership structure and do we see um, our leaders look like the people that are in our community? Um, and, and always, please hear this, passion over people and over politics. Um, yeah. Dude, I'm from Texas. You're from Arkansas. And there's a lot of people that have strong opinions, but I, I we just have to understand that we right. have to have passion over people. And, you know, it may have to do with race relations. It has to do with mask wearing, not wearing a mask, all these things. The way we handle it in our language is communicating something, not only to our children, but to our churches. Are we mm -hmm. being good neighbors? Yeah. Oh, that's so good. That's so good, especially as an election year rolls around oh. in the middle of a pandemic that uh you know pe 
ask yourself before you get super fired up about whatever the latest hot button issue is, is it worth my grandkids faith? Because mm. you may not think it's related, but I'm telling you, I've had a lot of conversations with your grandkids. And one of the things they're noticing is what your what kind of faith, what your faith does to how you engage social issues and the people that so you disagree good. with. And I'll yeah. say, you know, I, um, I do, you, you didn't know this it's kind of funny. I do a thing called that's good stuff on channel 11 news on Sunday nights here. In Dress like buddy, the elf. No, it's legit. Sometimes I'm like, Hey, <laughs> that's good stuff. Oh, that is cool. Look at you. You can I make, you, you can make fun I, of me and that's are good you gonna stuff. Sign my Bible or is it, I, are you that big of a deal? I don't know. I am a minor TV celebrity. Anyway, so, but here's, here's something that's so true about civil discourse. We will be judged by our grandchildren on what's going to be happening over the next few years. Mm -hmm. And it has a lot more to do than just who's in the White House, who's not in the White House. We're talking about the discipling of our kids. How do we speak about people that we disagree with? Yeah. Um, how do we speak about these things that, um, you know, can you be on the opposite side of an issue and still have respect for one another? Because really it's hard. I don't know about you, but I've been in, I've been hammered more for remaining in the middle of arguments mm. than choosing a ditch on this dirt road we're in. Mm. But I think it's very hard That's to good. stay out of our ditches and stay on top of the road and, Try not to claim a party, but a Christ. And that's mm. hard because both parties are trying to manipulate the vote. And both parties yep. are saying the same thing. They're saying, Tim, if you don't vote for me, this this vote, and the DNC said it, then the RNC. Yeah, that's well, right. This is, a, this is a vote for the soul of our country. Well, we're messed no. up on either side. Tim Keller has this video that I just watched I loved on how to reach post-Christians. Uh, you know, Manhattan pastor, uh, very, very effective with reaching unchurched people. And he was asked about this and he said, it seems to me that there are four Christian social positions that are relevant to America these days, that the Bible doesn't back down on any of them. One, uh, all races are created in the image of God equally and bear equal image difference. There, it's not like be colorblind. It's saying all ethnicities have equal dignity and must be treated accordingly and the church must not back down from that which means you know things like racial equity and justice the stuff the church should care about two um that human life matters before birth and all the way to death that we are pro-life for the unborn and for you know we're pro-life consistently three that um, that the vulnerable, poor, and oppressed, uh, the church should stand on their side and with them and offer care and support, and you know those, you know things things like immigration, you know that stuff. And then, uh, so people who are on the outsiders always be vocal for the outsiders. And four, sex is between a man and a woman in marriage in a covenant marriage. And he says the reason that those four, th the reason we're so politically divided is because those two things, those four things, two of them go in one party and two of them go in the other. And he said in Manhattan, he felt tremendous pressure to play mm. up two and, and kind of ignore the other two. And he said, at, 
preacher in Alabama would feel tremendous pressure to play up a different two and play down the other two. But all four are in the Bible equally. And so our kids know that. If they've been discipled or know they know the Bible, they're looking at Matthew 25 and Jesus saying, you know, whenever you fed me, whenever you, you know, whenever you clothe me, whenever you visit. But they, they hear us talk about pet issues and not the whole witness of the Bible. And it loses. But I'll tell you, I, I list uh, the Catholics. I love their social kind of they have been consistently all four of those things. Yeah. So I listen to them. I think they know what they're talking about. Well, it's. I mean, we've said, you and I have said a lot of different things where if people camp out on one of them, they would think that, you know, we're, you know, heathens. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it, it is the being comfortable. And this is where I think being a good neighbor is for me personally. I'm very comfortable in the ambiguity. Sure. Um, I, I really love meeting people where they to, are. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't judge people in the world. I have yeah. judgments. Right. But I judge those in the church. And yeah. we are really, really good about judging people outside in the world when it seems to be very, very clear in Scripture. Judge, you know, you should judge oh, me. Oh, yeah. Judge you. Who am I to judge the world? And so it is the church that is supposed to be the people of Jesus. that We can't hold a standard. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that. Man, and I've but, heard people say over and over again saying, well, you know, Jesus stand, uh, you know, with the oppressed against the oppressor. I would agree with that somewhat, but we, we have a tendency to define who the oppressor is, and that makes us pretty arrogant because Jesus is a Roman and a Jew, right. a Samaritan. Yeah, yep, that's right. And the, the wealthy Zacchaeus and the yep. poor, you know, yeah, identify. Yeah, so he... Anytime there's self-righteousness, Jesus is far from it. Um, tr the word tradition just is a hey, Latin word. I'm sitting here talking to you while I'm, you I'm go sitting teach a class. Here, uh, getting ready for class okay. as we're talking. The, well, the, the, word, the Latin word, tr the tr word tradition comes from the Latin word to trade, to trade from one generation to another. And my concern is we, we're not doing that well because mm. – you can't trade what the other generation's not taking. So I really appreciate the work that you've done. Thanks for helping our fellowship get involved in growing young. And you. uh, anyway, I really appreciate you, brother David. Uh, I hope anything that we said that was heretical will, you know, it will. Can I, <laughs> I'm going to show you something that is so cool. Okay. Right now about Lubbock Christian University Bible Department. Look what we have. A popcorn machine. Whoa. All right, Eden, we, Samuel, you're going to Lubbock Christian. We have a popcorn machine, and right now the temperature is like 40-something degrees and the smell of popcorn. Oh, nice. Hey, get your office. This is Donna. <laughs> hey, Donna. God bless you as you work with. <laughs> hey, I've already left, so you can't tell her that. Hey, okay. PV. I love you, and I appreciate you guys. I love spending time with your staff. You have a dream team, and can I just say something to y'all? Um, change is rough anytime you look at it, but I will say this. No one's changing anything just for change's sake. 
Um, I've got to know the heart of your leaders. I've got to hear their conversations. And there are such exciting things happening at PV. Um, so, man, it is for the right reason and right motivation. And I just want to say that, Jonathan, to your people. Y'all are doing Thanks. a great job. Thanks, Brother Dave. And, uh, man, when they got rid of booster, booster, be a booster. Don't be grouchy <laughs> like a rooster. I thought I was going to leave the church, but I stayed. <laughs> so things may be, look different, but it's for a great motivation. Yeah. Hey, man, thanks so much. I can't wait for when this pandemic is over to have you in PV and have mm. you do some stuff with our, our leadership and full church. So much love, love to you, it. Brother David. Love you. Yeah, love you too. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. This salvation is.